There's no one better to say yes to than Jesus. Amen. Your yes to him can never go wrong. That's an awesome thing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're excited to be in the house of the Lord today. He is an awesome God. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you're being seated, our children to Kids Dome, you are dismissed. Glory to God. We have a special, special guest this morning. Um, there are, there are, you guys know me pretty well, for those of you that have been here for a while. And there's not a lot of people that I will allow to come up on this pulpit and preach just because I love you too much and I fear God too much. And I want to make sure that people don't come up here messing stuff up that's unnecessary. Amen. I'm just saying, you know, so ultimately there are certain people that I trust with not only this pulpit, but even with my life. And I mean that sincerely. And the brother that is here today, he is a good, good friend of mine. Um, he's one of the brothers that holds me accountable. He's, uh, we've recently been able to connect a little bit more than we have been because he is the busiest guy. Listen, President Obama has nothing on Pastor Frank Reynoso. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm going to tell you, listen, you think I'm joking. He was working New York, right? He was working up, up in New York, in Miami, and Orlando all in one shot for like how long? Two years, okay? So that's busy, right? I'm just, I mean, I know Obama's running a nation, but I'm saying, I'm saying, what, what, what I'm telling you is this guy is traveling on planes back and forth all over the place just doing a great work for the glory of God. And um, I thank God that, you know, the Lord opened up his schedule a little bit so we've been able to break bread as of late and I'm um, having a good time together. And he likes to come in here once a year. I think last year he wasn't able to make it because he was just so busy. But this year, you know, he's here um, as a representative of Jesus first and foremost, as a representative of FCA and also as a representative of One Body Ministries. He's a representative of a lot. Amen. So come on, put your hands together, Pastor Frank Reynoso, as he comes forward today. And as he's coming forward, raise your hand really quickly if you don't have an outline there, so that way you can get an outline so you can take notes. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Obama could run the Obama could run the nation, but we part of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. We supposed to be busy. Amen. Amen. Shoo. Shoo. <laughs> there are no unemployed members in the body of Christ. We all have an assignment and we should be about it, about it. Can I get an amen? I was thinking about that. I said, man, like, you know, how many of y'all real busy? Real busy. How many of y'all wish y'all had more time? You like wish there was more. I remember I told my mom that one time. I said, I wish I had more time in a day. She looked at me and said, so you think God did something wrong? <laughs> Somebody say time management. <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes, man, you ever come to church and you see people just like, you, you coming to church and you getting the kids ready and your neighbors coming out and they got their flip-flops and, they're going to pick up the newspaper, and dudes getting the boat ready, and people out there jogging, and you'd be like, man, that looks pretty good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, come on. Can we be real in this church today, this morning? How many times you been John church and said, man, you know, you be thinking about calling bishops. I'm like, bishop. You can't even call in sick to church. They be praying healing over you. Come on now. On the phone. Praise God. But, you know, sometimes it's just like, man, but, but then when you get to church, 
There was a moment here, I was just like, just press pause, and let's just stay here for a little bit. Like, just worship, and when two or three come together in his house, there he is in the midst of us. And I tell you, there's nothing like church, man. And so they, they, could, they, could, they could do what they want to do, but, man, we have chosen the right thing, to come to the house of the Lord. Amen? David said, I was happy when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Man, and every time I come here, I feel, I feel family. If my church ever kicks me out, I'm coming here. Like, kick me out. I'm going to Faith Dome of Fellowship. Glory to God. By a little house in Oviedo. I'm chilling up here with y'all. Amen. So I did come last year, Bishop. I did. Yeah, I think in, 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 in December or something like that. So, um, I, uh, yeah, Pastor Appreciation Day. When is that? I never get appreciated. I don't even know when the day <laughs> It's October. I praise God. I got to write that. Let me write that down here. Tell, my, <laughs> tell our congregation, what's up? Praise God. Well, I did write a couple of things down because um, uh, just uh, one of the reasons I love to be with my church family. And um, so and sometimes I'm out there doing things that I just feel like I'm not supposed to say no to. And um, just great opportunities to minister to unchurch. Uh, you know, and when they tell me they have, you know, a thousand kids in a room and, and 800 of them are not church, somebody could speak at church. Hey, man, I'm going there. I'm going fishing. So, <laughs> praise God, I ain't coming to church. I'm going fishing, fishing for men. And, and so, but when I'm, I try to be home as much as possible. But Bishop says, man, you know, uh, we've been friends. And, um, you know, you guys support me and support the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And he says, Man, I just want you to at least come once a year and give an update. So I, I wrote a few things down um, here as far as um, the update uh, that I want to give. And first, I just want to say to Bishop and, and Elaine, thanks for, you know, just believing in me, man. Just trusting because about 10 years ago, as I came on the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they said, if you're going to work with us, you have to raise your own salary. I'm like, what kind of job is this? You got to do the work and raise your money on the side? So, um, but I, I knew that it was a, a, an opportunity of the Lord. And, and I, I reached out to many of my friends. And, um, you know, you, you, you find yourself in a real awkward position when you start reaching out and asking for finances. And, um, man, there was churches and people that I was rolling with doing ministry. And I could tell you that... Um, Bishop was one of the only ones that said, man, we want to sow into your ministry. And uh, I really appreciate that. And still to this day, because people will give, and then six months later, they'd be like, hey, you know, I said I was going, you know, I wanted to, and I know I should. And, uh, but, uh, but, man, for, for 10 years, this brother's been, been sowing into our ministry and the ministry, and it's grown in an amazing way. Amen. Praise God. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate all of you. And from that, you know, when I got hired, there was five of us, and, uh, and three of them were on their way out. And so, um, and we knew that. And so coming on board, you know, it was, it was a little shaky. It was a little different. But I'm here to tell you that right now on staff, you know, I was able to hire a dude, 
And um, on staff right now, there's 28 of us, 28 staff in, in the Central Florida area. Amen. And so we're ministering in, in uh, 160 uh, elements, uh, 110 campuses. Uh, some campuses, we have two or three things going on where we're ministering, like we provide a chaplain for the football team or the girls' basketball team, somebody that goes there two or three times a week. And, um, man, we just really seeing this ministry blossom. There was a time where I overseed 60 campuses, and now our missionaries, they only get to do around 20 to 25 campuses so that they can go deep. Um, in 10 years, as I've gone out, it's been a blessing because once they found out that I was a preacher, they really started putting me in different environments. And I'm telling you, I've seen over 15,000 indications for Jesus Christ in the last 10 years. So that goes to seed to Faith Doma Fellowship for you guys believing and trusting. Um, you know, sometimes in, in, the, uh, in the affluent schools, you know, they, they concerned about Christianity coming in and ruffling, ruffling the feathers of, um, you know, uh, the, the community. And, uh, but you know, I love to go to the hood you know, and, 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 and they made me the urban director. So I go into the urban, you know, you know, when you go in the hood and you say you want to help, they don't care. They like, come on in. They don't care. <laughs> right? Kids bugging out, wilding out. They like, come in. We don't care what you about as long as you're willing to serve. And it's been a, a true blessing to go in there. And we started, I started actually something called the inner city summits where I would get people from all around the country to come together. You know there's a hood in Iowa, right? <laughs> every, every, every city got a hood. They got some inner city. And, um, and so some of the guys that's on staff, you know, I got together with them and, and, and I said, um, we really need to equip these guys to go into these um, at-risk neighborhoods and learn to speak the language that hooks these athletes and these students understand the strongholds that are in communities, right? They're strongholds that have been dominating. And so I started um, doing this summit, and then we realized when there was a shift that New York City didn't have an FCA. New York City didn't have an FCA. And I'm from New York. Anybody from New York here? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. They all escaped with me. All right. So, <laughs> so... So, you know, we, I started going up there and going up into Miami and doing the work and, and really started penetrating some of those areas and was able to hire three people in Miami and two people in New York City. And so um, I tell you, y'all, New York's cool, but Miami, be careful. Be careful. You be on the beach one minute and then you leave the beach, you be like, oh, no. I mean, in the hood, the hood. I'm talking about they in the schools, they lock, when you come in, once you come in behind you, they lock the door with a gate. They put a gate in front of the door and put a padlock on it. I'd be like, that's illegal. <laughs> I seen the Joe Clark story up in New Jersey. That's illegal. If there's a fire, we all fit to burn and die in here. They like, you want to stay or what? I'm like, praise the Lord, let's do this. Let's find some people to minister to. Amen. In the hood, they don't, it, it don't matter. They want to hear the message. 
And so, man, I appreciate you guys sending me out there to do the work. So talking about the hood, I'm from the hood. Anybody from the hood, from the ghetto? I wrote some things down here. You know if you're from the hood, if you know what food stamps are, welfare cheese, huh? Huh? <laughs> welfare cheese. You like that welfare cheese? Boy, I'll tell you, man, I was blocked up for a long time behind that stuff, man. Like, mom was hitting you up with cheese, and I'm Dominican, too. She'd be like, queso frito. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Grilled cheese, macaroni and cheese. I mean, I was struggling after a while. I said, glory be to God. Spam and cheese. You from the hood if you know what spam is, amen? And ramen noodles. And, and, and my mom, you know, we, we were ghetto-rific. You know, you get that you know, ramen noodles. My mother put that boiled egg in. Any of your moms put the egg in? Be like, man, we got meat, cut up the frankfurt up, right? Cut up that frankfurt and put it in. You be like, man, we eat first class today. <laughs> Praise God. But listen, speaking about the hood, I'm, a, I'm about to hit you with the most ghetto sermon you have ever heard. I mean, this thing, you know, this, we going hood right now. All right, y'all ready? Before we go hood, let's pray, because somebody might lose their mind. We might have to tackle somebody up here, catch a flashback. Hold them down. Glory be to God. Father, we love you. We know that you love every neighborhood, that no one is excluded from your love, for you desire for all men to come into the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. You're not slack in your promises. You don't want man to perish, but you so loved us that you gave your only begotten son that belief might arise as Christ was lifted up, that we would be drawn onto him, that we would say yes, the power that yes would change and transform our lives. Father, I pray that you take this word and you encourage your people, that you encourage us in a fresh and mighty way that we could be like Christ who said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Move upon us as only you can. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen, amen. amen. Bishop, how much time I got? You, I'm good? All right, praise God, hallelujah. How many of y'all give me 15 minutes? Raise your hand if you give me 15 minutes. Come on, raise your hand up. 15 minutes is good? 15, 30, 45. I'll, I'll be chilling for a minute. All right. All right. So here's the ghettoest sermon you ever heard. All right. So one day I was watching an award show. I really like, I'll I, I be messing around saying I'm an anthropologist. I like to study man's behavior. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Ministers of reconciliation. Now, an ambassador, the, the job of an ambassador is that he needs to know the cultures of particular societies. So when we come to church, when I got born again, right, I, I went to church and it was like, you know, those, those, those old witches and, and criminals. When they used to um, go to church, they used to go inside the church and yell, sanctuary, sanctuary. 
So when they went in the church and they called sanctuary, it didn't, it didn't matter what crimes they committed and what practices they was a part of. If they went into the sanctuary and called sanctuary, it was a safe place in there. But they had to stay in there till there was a true, divine, authentic transformation in their life. If they ever came out of the sanctuary and they wasn't about the Christian life, if they wasn't walking, if they didn't do their time, if they didn't serve the monks, many of them would be killed. So when I got born again, I felt like that's what happened to me. I went in and I just called sanctuary. And I was in the church. I was in the word of God. For some of you guys that don't know me, you know, I ran away from home when I was 12, 13 years old. I would say Tarzan was raised by apes and gorillas. I was raised by pimps and drug dealers. Wilding out, dropped out of school in the seventh grade. I mean, just doing crazy stuff. Went from juvie to jails and programs to prison. Lost my mind, wilding out, going crazy. But I came in the sanctuary. I started to read this Bible, and I fell in love with the Word of God. Can anybody relate falling in love with this awesome love letter from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Those red letters changed and transformed my life. Then I started to study God, get into theology and want to understand who he is and what he created me to do. What's my purpose in life? By the time all this took place, you know what? I kind of forgot what it was like to be a sinner. I kind of lost touch on what it was like. And so when I started going out to the world, they were caught on certain things. And I, I really just didn't understand where it was coming from because there was such a traumatic and dramatic change in my life. So what I started doing is I started asking questions. I started trying to find out what's going on in the lives of people today. And so I started reading certain articles and having conversations with people from, and from certain environments and just begin to listen and find out what was the bait that God was going to use to minister and connect with those individuals. One of the things that I started to do is I started watching award shows. I started watching award shows like the Grammys and, and, and um, the Emmys and all that. And just start kind of look at, looking at who's winning, what's about. Start Googling what these songs and what these movies are about. Well, here, I, I think it was last year, I was um, watching one of these programs and these girls got up. And they won the award. They called one girl, and like seven of them went up there. And they was dressed, whacked out. I mean, it was just, I mean, they had their sequence and their bling bling and showing all this skin. And they was just looking crazy. And they kept saying this, oh, yeah, such and such. We about that life. We about that life. They just kept repeating about that life. And I started noticing as I go out to the hood, people were saying, man, you about that life? I'm about that life. I'm about this life. And I'm like, okay, has anybody heard that term before, about that life? Can I get amen? amen? All right, all right. So about that life. So I started thinking, well, what life they talking about? <laughs> about what life? What you talking about? These girls, I was ready to just jack them all up, man. What you talking about? About that life, getting in the camera all close. We about that life. I started thinking about another guy that I did research on, right? 
And I want to show you a picture of him. If we could show uh, a picture of this guy, right? I'm going to attribute being about that life to this guy. Tupac Shakur. When I got born again, um, uh, Tupac wasn't even on the scene yet. Oh, he was just coming on the scene. I had different people that influenced my life, like a group called NWA. So I'm like, NWA, what's that about? You, I'm, I'm going to break it down. The name of the group was called Negroes with an Attitude. But it wasn't Negroes. They used the other word. Hello. You know what? I could relate to those guys. They had attitude. They had beef. I could relate to Public Enemy. I could relate to a guy named KRS-One from Boogie Down Production. Criminal-minded, you've been blinded. Such a like my, you can't find it. Come on now. I could relate, right? So then I got born again, and man, this this guy Tupac Shakur. I mean, kids and people in the hood could relate to him. He was a poet. He was a smart guy, studied in the arts, got his education. But growing up in the hood, he picked up certain things and, and the influence, and he tattooed on his, on, his, on his stomach, thug life. And he would come out and say, hey, man, you know, I'm living that thug life. I'm a gangster. Being a gangster, he knew certain things. He knew that he was going to be lied to. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that his life was going to be on the line. He knew that he was going to get shot. And he came out and he started singing and reciting poetry along those lines. And he did it in such a way with such a passion that kids and society respected this guy and fell in love with some of his ideologies about how to survive in this world and how people are against you and how they try to keep you down, how the man, whoever they want to call the man is, tries to keep you down. The government. But he was passionate, and therefore, people respected him. He was about that thug life. Let's see what the Bible says about life. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I knew I was supposed to share this because I shared it somewhere, you know, a week ago. And um, when I was having uh, my time of fellowship with Bishop, he was telling me, man, I'm doing something um, uh, real unique this year. We're going to be studying out of the book of John. And when he told me that, I was like, man, that's good stuff. So to stay in line with what Bishop has been presenting to you guys I'm going to talk a little bit about the man John and his character. John was about that life. He was passionate and sold out and dedicated and devoted to what he believed. He had ideals. He had core values. He had spent time with Jesus. He even identified himself as the one that Christ loved. 
the one that Christ loved. There was instances where he was walking with Jesus and he, as a grown man had his head on the chest of Jesus Christ. And some of the paintings and some of the historical facts that come, I mean, he was so in love with Jesus as a grown man, as a grown man. Come up, Papa. Come up, man. Come up, Papa. Look, imagine if he was Jesus. You can turn, you turn the crowd. Need a little bit more hair to be like Jesus, bro. Amen, amen. <laughs> Somebody said, you need to look like Jesus. I grew an afro and a beard. Come on, I'm trying, y'all. I'm trying. But let's say my brother's Jesus, right? And John, a grown man, would be like this, listening to the teachings, the humming in his ear of the voice of the Son of God. That's being about that life. To be that close. There is a washing from the water of God's word that cleanses you and transforms you and takes you from being a bozo to sozo. Sozo is the Greek word for being saved. How many of y'all went from bozo to sozo? Hello. You just a clown doing whatever, getting deceived, getting taken advantage of. But man, when you hear the words of the master, it shapes you. That information, that info, it informs you, it begins to form you from the inside out. John had a relationship with Jesus. I mean, he was about that life. He knew they was going to kill him. He knew it. Jesus told me, they, 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 come, they hated me, they're going to hate you. How many of y'all want to be about that life? Don't come to Christianity and say, oh, we just going to get along. I come to Christianity because I want to walk down flowery beds of ease, follow the yellow brick road. Everything is going to work out. Listen, if you truly hold to the word of God, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to be tried. You're going to be tested. You're going to go through the fire family. You better know that you know you heard from God. You better know how to get into his presence and have you have him refresh you and replenish you and charge you and anoint you and stir you up. Because he said they hated me and he was perfect. How much more are they going to hate us? How much more opportunity are we going to give them? But John was about this life. John wrote a book. He wrote three letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he wrote a book called Revelation. Not Revelations, like we like to say, Revelations. No, it's Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you see him, you don't need too many more, Amen. People looking for revelations. Just, just see him. The understanding of who he is. He who was and is and is to come. And John, man, let me tell you something. They beat him, beat him for preaching. Beat him. 
they wind up, history says, they put this guy in boiling oil. And they couldn't kill him. He was like them true gangsters. We don't die, we multiply. Come on. He, he, he was ministering the word. And people were growing. Finally, they said, they were so scared of him, they said, man, let's put him on an island. They sent them to Alcatraz. <laughs> they sent them to a place I've been on, Rikers Island. They sent them to the island, to the rock. And he had a revelation of who Jesus was. Even greater. And we still read in the books. He was about that life. Look at someone and say, you about that life? <laughs> I mean, we disciples now. We decided, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Are you a believer? I'm a believer. I believe. Yeah. A lot of people believe now. Come on now. A lot of people believe. I believe. <laughs> now, I had a great experience the other day. I was preaching at a college retreat, and I was ministering, and some kid came out and said, I'm at the top of his lungs, boy. I was preaching for three days. And he kept saying, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. And I kept doing altar calls, and kids would come, and students was coming, transferring. And he kept saying, I don't believe. Day three, Sunday morning, when it's time to go, when you're not even supposed to do an altar call, it's just like, all right, every if you ain't saved now, you ain't going to. If you ain't saved yet, you ain't going to be saved, right? I said, come on, one more again. I got real preaching. Get that organ going. Maybe, perhaps. There's one here still, peradventure. Right? I said, man, you want And this guy came down, walking down the aisle. I was, boy, I got goosebumps. If you Latinos, Dominicans, we call them tiriquitos. You know, I was like, oh, man. This brother, but listen, a lot of people believe, the devils believe. We're fear and trembling. Hmm? But I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus. Peter believed. Remember, Jesus said, Who do people say that I am? Oh, they saying you the prophet, risen from the dead, that you this amazing person. He said, Who do you say that I am? He said, Man, you're the son of the living God. He believed, didn't he? He sure enough did. I mean, he believed, to the, he believed to the point when 500 Roman soldiers, oh, I'm sorry, this is a ghetto servant, 500, 500 Roman soldiers, soldiers now, spears, armor, shields, marching in cadence, coming up the hill to get Jesus and his little fishermen. And he told them, hey, man, don't take no knives, don't do nothing. We're just doing the work. And these 500 soldiers are coming with torches and bows and arrows and sharpened, I mean, skilled guys like Green Beret coming up to get Jesus. And Peter, man, he believed. He got up. I mean, I think, I think uh, uh, Peter has some Boricua in him. He pulled out a little knife. 
Boricua's going to write me later. Why, why you got to say it's Boricua? Because <laughs> it happened to me. That's why. <laughs> he pulls out this little knife. And a guy named Malchus comes up. If his life wasn't rough enough that his mama called him Malchus, he steps up and Peter slices his ear off. His ear off. The ear falls to the ground. This dude is like... So he can't hear himself, right? <laughs> Jesus comes, picks up the ear, puts it on. He played Mr. Potato Head with this dude. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head, I made you. Dude's like, oh, what? No scalpel, no nurse. No oxygen, no anesthesia. Here we go, man. Peter, what you doing? Peter was like, oh. He's like, what you doing? <laughs> See, Peter was ready to rise up. But Jesus had told him, no, we're going to have to die. I'm about this life. I know I have a mission. You know what Peter did, right? The great, the, the believer. That cat backed up. How do you go from slicing a dude's ear when they're coming 500 deep to backing up and denying? And they called him out in the Bible. They said a little girl came up to Peter. Hey, hey, mister. Hey, mister. He said, who? You with the WWJD band. You, you a win here. And he cussed the little girl out. He cussed out. Are you going to be about that life? First John chapter 5. If you ain't found it yet, you ain't never going to find it, y'all. <laughs> First John chapter 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You could be alive and yet not have life. We don't want to be a people that's just existing. We want to, I mean, he who has the son has life. I mean, listen, if you hear me, if we're walking, if we're on this earth, then we all alive. But apparently there's some that's alive that don't have life. And there's some that have Jesus, that have the son and have life. There was this old movie called A Sixth Sense where a little kid walk around and say, I see dead people. Hey, in our neighborhoods, we see a bunch of dead people. If they don't have the sun, they don't have life. I ain't about that life. That just means you exist. What kind of life are you about? Go to John chapter 10. Go to John chapter 10. Famous scripture.
John chapter 10. Verse 10. Watch what it says. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or in abundance. To live the abundant life, church, family, and friends. To live a life of abundance, to live a life of victory, to live a life of prosperity. And some people get scared about prosperity. You know what? I'm praying because John himself said, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prosper. When you come into the kingdom, it's all about growing. It doesn't matter if your bank account is growing or not, but God wants you to grow in faith and in wisdom, and God will provide for you on every angle because he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. He wants you to prosper. He's the one that says that I'll take you from glory to glory. He wants to advance you. Paul knew it when he said God wants to take you from glory to glory. Are you going to struggle? Are there going to be challenges as a Christian? Absolutely. I would say from one station of glory to the next station of glory, there's going to be a cross that you got to carry. But come on now, God's grace is sufficient for you to get to your next station of glory. Because all he's doing is purging you and training you and discipling you. He's teaching you. The great rabbi is teaching you how to chip away the things of this world. Not to get caught up in the things of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Are you about the life that Jesus Christ mandated us to live? Church is not a social club. It's a movement by people who've been impacted. People that have God living inside of them. Do you wake up and declare that? I love a man named John G. Lake. This guy was a missionary to Africa. And he lost his kids to sickness and disease. But it says that when he went to Africa, they would put the bubonic. He told them, put the bubonic plague in my hand and put a microscope and watch the germ that created the plague used to dry up in his hand. I love when people come up to me at work or somewhere and you go to hug them or you go to say hi. And they go, oh, no, I got a cold. I say, come here, man. Jesus was about that life. He hugged lepers, laid hands on them. Listen, I'm not saying be unwise, or, but I, you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, look, a bag of needles. Let me stick my hand in there. No, be. Jesus ain't about that life, neither. That's a knucklehead. But, but you don't need to be operating in fear. 
Somebody got a cold. Don't come. Come here. Come here. Come. Bring it in. Bring it in. I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> come here. Come here. Glory to God. Put your head on my chest. I'm praying for you, bro, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I be telling my people, staff member, I said, listen, I'm tired. Sometimes I feel like we be praying for people just because it's the nice thing to do. They tell us their problems and what they're going through and just, you know, they, they just, anybody ever vomit on you like that? It's like, I'm going through a lot. <laughs> and some more. I was talking to this lady the other day. I couldn't even, I, I didn't even know how this lady was breathing. She was like, and then my son, and my daughter, and I got the sickness. I had to go in the stores. I was putting on mute, like, hey, man, can you make me a sandwich, bro? This lady. This lady. I, I called her because a friend of mine's, an old boss of mine said, man, call this person. They live in a city that you visit. And, I, and, I, and this lady wouldn't stop. And I was like, and she started coming. And I was like, but, and she keeps talking. You know that guy. Like, I was like, yeah. I mean, this lady, that's what we call in counseling realms, just throwing up on you. I'm holding her hair back, be like, hey, get it all out. I mean, they be throwing up. You know, when somebody throw up, you yourself be like, oh my God, oh my God, Avanza, carry out, spew it. Finally, she stopped. And you know what? A lot of people just at that point just say, man, let me just pray. I feel bad for this lady. Let me let her know that I love her and I care and I heard her. No, when you pray, that's why I like to pray with Bishop. Y'all like, how many of y'all pray with Bishop? Don't you feel like when you pray with Bishop, you be like, okay, let's go home. <laughs> like once he's finished, you be like, we done. He be praying and you come up and like, oh, God, um. Just be like James Brown's homeboys when Bishop is praying to yeah, yeah, yes, Lord, yeah, 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 come on. Don't try to get up after him and say, I'm going to do my thing now. No, we're going to go to sleep when you pray. <laughs> A bunch of us pastors used to get together and say, let's pray. And Bishop be like, I open, I open us, I open us. Stand in front of him. I got it. Let me start off. God. <laughs> Bishop sound like he believed when he prayed. Amen. Come on now. When we pray for people, let's believe. Let me tell you, I'm hearing what the devil's doing in your life. I want to tell you that God is much greater. And if you've been born again, great is he that is in you than he that is against you. And all the forces that they bring. Jesus. Come on. Huh? I tell you, you start praying like you believe around people that don't go to church. They be like, oh my God. I felt something. They be following you. They ain't even saved. Y'all pray for my grandma. I'd be like, you, 
Cats be coming with lists. Here you go, bro. I be like, yo, I got a life, bro. See my prayer list, that thing be huge, boy. I start off real good. Father, get them in. And I look at that list and, and all the rest of them too, Lord. In Jesus' name. I believe. Keeping it real now. But hey, if you, listen, this is what abundant life means. Exceeding. An exceeding life. Come on, this Jesus now. Oh, just, let's just be humble. We're not meant to have much. Jesus walked around with robes and sandals. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't try to establish his kingdom. Jesus himself said, I come to give you life. Oh, that's cool. Thank you, Jesus. And even more abundantly. Jesus is serious. He's saying, I want to give you an exceeding life. I want to go beyond normal life. I want to give you the fullness of life. I want to give you more than life like people know it. Zoe, Zoe. That's what it means. In Vine's expository dictionary, it says, life as God has it. God wants you to live like, didn't he say that from the beginning? I created your image. You created in my image and in my likeness. I want you to be like me. Jesus don't, God ain't, first of all, he don't go to sleep. He don't sleep or slumber. But if he did, he don't wake up. That's how some of us wake up. I got to go to work. I hate my job. I hate my job. You hate your job. You like to eat. You better thank God you got a job. Amen. And you ever been without a job? That's a way. I don't have a job. I don't care. I've dug ditches, y'all. Dug ditches. When my hand, I come home from work, my hands was like this. <laughs> All day, eight hours. That's, that's back in the days when my wife used to wear them nice stockings. They kind of back in style with the design and all that. I used to put my hand on her leg and go like this. I rip her stockings because of the calluses in my hand. <laughs> you woman, me, husband. you hate your job then go in the prayer closet and say God I believe that you can get me a better job amen don't stop saying you hate your job be faithful with the little be grateful and thankful and pray and go fill out some applications print them out bring them to church get some of the men at the church get some of the sisters at the church and say come on come into agreement with me I want to live the abundant life. Abundant life. Exceeding. Going beyond. Full. More than. Remember in school, they like less than, greater than. I want to live a greater than. Just existing. Life as God has it. Life, Zoe means, as God intended it to be. 
a supernatural life, a God kind of life. People say, I'm about that life. What life you about? I'm about loving people. I'm about loving God. I'm about church. I'm about worship. Y'all should have seen how beautiful you look. I want to tell you, I wish you could see how beautiful you looked as you was worshiping God this morning. And the reason I wish you would see it is that my desire is that we would incorporate that lifestyle. You don't need the band. You could wake up in the morning. You could be even freer in the house. In the house, you could be real free. Because listen, I love to sing. I just shouldn't do it with a microphone in my hand. <laughs> but when I'm in the house, I hey, tea. That thing be sounding good to it. Hey, Lord, I love you, Lord. I be serious too. <laughs> Live my voice. Hot tear come down your face. You don't care? That's, that, that's how you live in that abundance. That's how, that's, when you do that, you know what the Bible says? Ephesians chapter 5, it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Right? When you start singing and worshiping, that's you lead a house. Joy unspeakable. Come on now. You, this is God now. Joy unspeakable. Do you know what that looks like? Do you know what joy unspeakable looks like? I was talking to my sister the other day, and I said something, and she started laughing, and she just lost it. You know when people start losing, and, and she started telling me, she, <laughs> and I was looking at her, I said, what you talking about, girl? She said, I got to tell you. <laughs> I was like, come on, girl, get up. <laughs> and I just started looking at her. I just started laughing with her. And started, that's the kind of joy God wants you to have. Joy unspeakable. Hey, guys, if you don't meet this deadline by Friday, I'm going to have to let y'all go. <laughs> I got it. I got it. What's so funny? <laughs> huh? I remember Joy Unspeakable when my daughter was born. We went to the hospital. I mean, my wife is in there, and the doctor's like, push! She didn't have the joy like I had it. So I'm like, go ahead, baby, you heard him, push, baby, push. And she looked at me like, yeah. She's like, this your fault. <laughs> Boy, I seen my baby come out. Now, I was raised with men, and I seen my, you know, this back in the days. You, everybody do that ultrasound stuff. I want to know, know what it is so I can prepare the room. I like the surprise. They flipped my baby over. And I seen, you know, you know, that's the only way you know if it's a boy or a girl. I look, I said, ah! ah! I didn't say, ah! I went outside in the hospital. Cats was bleeding, dying. I was like, oh, man, he ain't going to make it, man. I said, oh, look at it. Oh, what's that? Oh, my God. Listen, you could be in a broken world and have joy unspeakable. A peace that surpasses all understanding. When you get that income tax check, <laughs> and you thought it was going to be more, some of y'all waited to the 15 because you had to pay, amen. You're like, Ugh. 
be talking bad about Obama. It ain't Obama's fault. That's what they told me in the hood. Oh, this year, vote for Carter. Vote for Reagan. Vote for Bush. Vote for Clinton. Whoever else was next. <laughs> like it was going to get better. Listen, life ain't get better till I cast my vote to be a part of the kingdom of God and follow the president of all presidents. Amen. To live that abundant life, a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm still in the same mess. I still got drama at home. But when you accept Jesus Christ, you come into a peace that you can't even understand it. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, comes into your life. The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, begins to take you by the hand and say, I'm going to take you through this dark, weary, barren land, but I'm going to keep you in the eye of the storm because Jesus has the ability to say peace to the storm, say peace to the storm. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you at. And perhaps there's someone here that may not even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There might be someone here that says, man, I've been to church. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 12, 13 years old, but I just can't find peace. I need, I need some of that abundant life flowing in my being. If you're here this afternoon, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if it took everything you had to be here today, and you hear, and you're saying, I need to get my life right with God. I want to invite you to make a bold move. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their head, every Christian praying. We could be cautious and conscious and not try to embarrass someone and just say raise your hand and not call you up front and pray for everybody in general but maybe you need to make a statement maybe you need to stand up maybe you need to press beyond your fear and come to that perfect love the love of God the love that's in the people in this room that are not here to judge you, not here to criticize you. Amen. Before we even ask, brother came up. If you feel like you need to join him, would you leave your seat and come up front and let us pray for you? Come to that place. Come into the arms of a loving God. Come into the arena of a miracle working God. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. God got you, my friend. Hallelujah. Anybody else will join these three in the name of Jesus.
freedom reigns in this place. This is the house of God. The enemy is stilled. The enemy has been defeated. The one who's causing havoc in your life. The one who's deceiving. The one who's blocking God's blessing on the outside. Has no power. Has no authority in this place. And we're going to pray over you in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit. The greater one. The one that Jesus said is more better for me to leave. Because when I do, I'll send you another. He's here. And he's here. He's here. Don't hide any tears. Don't hide anything or hold anything back. Freedom reigns in this place. Anybody else? Anybody else? If your heart is beating and you're saying, should I? You probably should. Bishop, I know there's some people that are trusted and maybe even appointed to pray for people at the altar. Could y'all come and join with me right now? heavy. Tears are heavy and we hold them in and we let them weigh it down. Don't let those tears weigh you down. Release that in the name of Jesus. Release that in the name of Jesus.